In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Acquaintance oh no, be I hate this song. Forgot <laughs> and no, I did the wrong tune. Hold on a second. Uh, how does it begin? Uh, should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should oh old acquaintance be forgot and days of old lang syne? Okay. Ready for the rest? No, for I don't want any. No, 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 I don't want any more. Lang syne, my dear. For old lang syne. What is a lang syne? know these words. Lang-sign. We'll take a cup of kindness yet for days of old lang syne. I'd take Copyright. a cup of kindness. I could I'd take too. A cup of yeah, I would take a cup of kindness, but copyright strike. And also, <laughs> <laughs> what is a Lang Syne? Um, I think it's. Like I hate that about song. The days of old Lang Syne. I mean, this is a Scottish song. I don't know Scottish Gaelic. Okay, fine. I hate that song, but I know sing you it. hate it. That's why I decided mm-hmm. to sing it so well for you. Yeah, today. I appreciate that. I hate that song so <laughs> I much. I even warmed up a whole bunch. No, I did not. Please don't think that I, that's Why? like my best work. <laughs> you are a professional singer after all. But indeed. But why why is that a Thanksgiving a Thanksgiving? Why is that a New Year's Eve song? Why? Why do we sing uh, that on New Year's Eve? I mean, I don't, but let's see. Um Oh, here's a handy dandy thing on the internet that says, <laughs> "What are the lyrics to Old Lang Syne, and what does Old Lang Syne actually actually mean?" Um, is old long since for the sake of old times? That's what it mm. means. And it's just like, um, a, and, it, and it's like a New Year's Eve thing because it's all about like recalling and like uh, reflecting. <clears throat> Let's see. So the words were written by Scottish poet Robert Burns in 1788. I didn't know that. Hmm. Um, I'm mad at him. Don't be mad at him. He's already (laughs) dead. Uh, That's the... Oh, and I should have known this. The song, like the tune is from an even older song. Um, And this... And singing it on New Year's Eve... Um, became a tradition in Scotland first because it's a Scottish poem. Yeah. Um, that's, I don't know, it doesn't say why they started doing it. <laughs> Whatever. That's all I can say. The bottom line is I don't like it. I know you don't. Um, 
Hello, listeners. <laughs> Welcome. It is New Year's Day. Is this coming out on New Year's I Day? Think New oh, Year's no, Eve. it's coming out on New Year's Eve this year. Yeah. Um, uh, so, Sarah your New Walsh Year's Eve parties, you can play that first two minutes for people. Yeah, you'll really enjoy it. Your guests will love it. They'll be like, <laughs> Where can I get a recording of that? Like, in addition to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm here. No, let me get through the whole thing, Amy. This is See You Next Week in Space. I'm Sarah Walsh. I'm here with my sister and co-host, Amy Walsh. Boom. Yeah. New Year's oh Eve. We're all, it's all happening. Um, <laughs> it's our New Year's Eve extravaganza. Oh, um, and before we dive into discussing uh, what we will today, I do also have an opening. Huh? <laughs> I, said, I said good pun. You said dive into. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a bit of a, oh boy, oh, it's going to be a long one, I can tell already. I slept 10 hours last night, and it has not helped my mind, to be clear. Um, And somehow drinking my eggnog coffee is also not helping. Mm. Um, But here's here's our traditional opening gambit question, though, Amy. Um, Mm. And I don't believe I've ever asked you this before in any context, either on the show or in life, but... Mm. Uh, what's your take on going on a cruise? Oh, we haven't talked about this? <laughs> I was haven't wondering. Haven't we? I, I fear, don't I know. fear, I don't recall. I don't, I don't recall. Truly, I don't know. I don't recall. Have we I talked about like other things that involve cruise? <laughs> I feel like we've talked about how we both wouldn't want to be on a cruise. But the, my answer is no. I don't want to be on a cruise. And this one in particular. <laughs> yes. I mean, I guess we actually, I, I'm also having a memory. What movie could we have watched that we, I also asked about a cruise? Well, I don't know that you asked about a cruise, but I think it came, a cr- like, it came, you asked about a plane crash. You know? Well, we've definitely oh, but, talked about plane crash. But I feel like we've talked about cruises too, just like in a general sense of like things that we don't like. I'm not sure. What? Yeah, I'm having a memory of this as well. But yes, but so, yes, I would not care for a cruise. And yes, um, it what what we are talking about today is like full nightmare fuel for me. Um, oh yeah, this is. But I would say it like I feel as concerned about the movie we're going to talk about today. Like that outcome is bad. But yeah. I also felt bad and kind of similarly concerned about, remember, like, some years ago when there was that cruise and everyone was, like, puking and shitting everywhere? Uh, like, they all ew. got some kind of terrible, well, like, that's, stomach sickness? Sure. I mean, that's, and uh, like, in the age of COVID, you know, absolutely fucking not. Like, there's, I think there's a cruise ship somewhere right now, like, that where it's, like, a COVID outbreak again. Like, right. It's just a petri dish, like it and, is, and absolutely weird things of um, stomach viruses and shit have definitely happened. I mean, at the beginning of this movie, we're going to talk about everybody's sick. It's a different reason, oh, but like, yeah. you know, it's not good, guys. It's not no. good. I understand the allure. Here's what I understand. I think in the past, I have wanted to go on a cruise because of some of the. Um, alluring aspects of it the right, fact like that the it's all-inclusive notion. yeah, yeah oh, I guess all-inclusive isn't really romantic <laughs> <laughs> you're like uh, I could just eat shrimp cocktail <laughs> eight hours a day <laughs> a thousand percent like I mean and which is also probably another reason why people get sick on cruises let's be honest for oh but, yes absolutely 
but yeah, the all inclusive aspect of it were like, you know, you pay one, actually, I don't know how it works, but I think you pay one flat thing and then you get to eat and do whatever the fuck you want. Right. Right. So that's great. And everything's, you know, all, uh, there's shows, there's gyms, there's swimming, there's whatever you can get off at like ports and go play. Like it sounds in theory, very nice. But it is. There's no, a no, reason no. <laughs> we do things on planes. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is our New Year's Eve installment. So this movie transpires on New Year's Eve, which somehow adds like yet another level of horror to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, because I've had some tough New Year's Eves, but this really <laughs> If you've had takes one like the this, then I feel like you've not told me very much about your life. <laughs> no, no, no. The the kinds of problems I've had on New Year's Eve nowhere near <laughs> compare to these people. Um, but why don't you tell everyone what we are talking about this week? So, we're talking about a movie that I actually had never heard of even though in the very, very minimal research or looking up I did, it is seems to be quite classic. Yes. Um, so it's the Poseidon Adventure from 1972. Yes. Um, this is a very big deal movie. Um, and why don't you also say what you were surprised about? <laughs> okay, so yeah, like, spoiler alert, it's not a sci-fi movie. And it is not. I did not realize I that. can't even pretend that in some way it is. It yeah. is not. I did not realize this because generally that is the theme of our podcast. And so I was un- I was unclear. Even though I did see, like when I looked it up, it said action thriller. I was like, nowhere does it say sci-fi. But I was like, no. I was like, there's maybe I'm missing something. So the whole time I t- I had told Sarah this before, but the whole time I was waiting for a sea monster of some kind. (laughs) Like, I was like, when are we going to get, like, hit with a sea monster or, like, a mermaid or what's going to happen here? And And to that I said, and to that I said, Amy, haven't these people been through (laughs) enough? I mean, but maybe the sea monster could have saved them. And then, like... True. Yeah, so that was just, like, (laughs) that threw me a bit for a while because I was waiting for the sci-fi aspect or I was sure. waiting for like a, a spaceship to come down and rescue <laughs> them or something supernatural to happen. Right. Or like in the abyss when like it turns out there are sea aliens coming Holy from below. Holy shit. Now we will that, watch that movie someday and you is will Is that what the really fuck that movie's it. about? I That sounds horrible. Yes. I thought um, you were talking about a movie we already saw. I thought no, that was the no. same as the egg one we saw. No, the egg one. Where there's a big egg and they're in a submarine. And they go crazy. It's like, it's Dustin Hoffman and he goes, Sphere. Oh, Sphere. Sphere, right. That was so long ago. That was a long <laughs> time ago. But anyway. Um, what I will say in my defense is I wanted to watch this movie. And also it's. There are very few movies set at New Year's Eve. Uh, and I mean, finally, we, could, we could have just watched the movie called New Year's Eve. If we're no, die. gross. <laughs> um, and then finally, the title, The Poseidon Adventure, sounds like it could be a sci-fi movie. Exactly. So like, Good enough. Good enough to me. <laughs> um, but the... Uh, so 
And I actually, I had, I knew that this movie existed and had been interested in watching it um, because we have talked about this before quite recently. I just can't remember for which uh, movie. Um, this, this sets off a chain or is part of an early 70s chain of disaster movies oh. uh, that are really popular. The first one, now I'm remembering, the first one is Airport, which is 1970. Is that um, like, an, like that's a plane crash one? I presume so. Um, and then there's this one in 72, and then in 74 there's Earthquake and Towering Inferno, and then there's more as the 70s soldier on. But this is considered to be one of kind of the best examples mm. of a disaster movie. Hmm. Um, and I do kind of get it because I did think this was pretty entertaining. It if was. horrifying in every It was, and aspect. I feel like... It definitely uh, delivered on the my I, <laughs> my favorite thing about I guess disaster movies would be the genre is when people are dirty and like but <laughs> but like that sounds weird but like movie dirty like right, when right. when all the guys are in their like white undershirts and they're like perfect everybody's w- a little bit wet and like yes the yes. the women have like just like a a re- it's almost like as if. It's not dirt. It almost looks like um, contouring. <laughs> yes, like, yes, because they've used makeup to make somebody yeah. look a bit. But they're like, also dewy because they're like a little wet. Like I just love yeah. that part of a disaster oh, movie. And we and, will, and we will absolutely be talking about the fashion. Yeah. Put onto the women in particular yeah. for this film, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but also. Like, so this movie came out, unsurprisingly, in December of 1972 to tie into New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it became the highest grossing movie of 1973. Wow. Um, so it really swept people up into Literally. the story. Oh, man, you're really getting <laughs> me with these puns today. Well, you too. are. You're saying <laughs> I am not even planning them, which either means I'm insane or I am a comic genius and you're I don't just so, even know. You're just so immersed in this, in this world. Uh, well, now you've done one, so there you go. Um, next, just we cannot say submerged, though. None of us, that's... Okay, that's that one's a little word. harder. That one's a little harder to, like, do organically. Wedge in there, yeah. Um... <laughs> So this really, like, did hit in a certain way. And just so we kind of can understand, like, where we might be, like, Jaws comes out in 75 and is Mm. another big blockbuster thing. So we're also in the ramp up to the notion of, like, the big blockbuster movie, Mm. uh, the the big all-star ensemble cast being a draw to this kind of thing, you know. Um, There's lots of recognizable people in this movie for me. and A lot. And... For something that's 50 years old, so, you know... Right. That's... Right. It, even more so at the time, I guess, is what I mean. Like, oh, yeah. The, the fact that I recognize them means right. they're pretty famous. Right. Um, so, the only last little bit to say before we move on to the cast is that this is based on a novel of the same name that hmm. was written by Paul Gallico, I think, or Gallico, I don't know. Um, and that came out three years before, in 1969. So um, there was clearly already a zeitgeist that was interested in this sort of thing, and so then here we go with this mm-hmm. movie. Um, and so, yeah, we should talk about the cast because really 
this is like this was the also one of the big draws of this movie was that yeah. it incorporated a lot of different people and if i remember correctly like there was quite a lot hold on let me find the i have the wikipedia page here um yeah that's what i want to see so it was also um nominated for a number of different academy awards did it um, win any it won for best original song which I don't remember what the song. song? <laughs> I know. And um, probably unsurprising, also best editing? visual effects. Oh. So won that. But it also, the editing was nominated for editing. Mm-hmm. Um, also nominated, to me, the super important one is that Shelley Winters, uh, who plays Mrs. Rosen, was nominated for a best supporting actress. Oh, interesting. Award. I have a lot um, to say about her. <laughs> she And she won, I'm now seeing, she really? won Best Supporting Actress for the Golden Globes for this oh, movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That is very interesting. I have stuff to say about her character, but we'll get there. It, well, salt of the earth. We can start with that. Um, so. <laughs> I was disappointed. I thought they did her dirty a number of times. Oh, That's yes. That's what I was going to say. Oh, yes, for sure. The n- amount of fat jokes that's all they like, that's all they that's all anyone ever said about her and pretty much all she ever said about herself and it was making me sad I know um so let but let's start with um one of the main central figures so also just so we know the description is that nine people explore a cruise ship at sea in a manner that turns their whole lives upside down so even the fucking imdb writer is fucking punning it up every second <laughs> of the day um I don't so know the, if that describes of, this movie, though. I, I not, I mean, it does in a sense. I guess, um, but it makes it sound funny. Yeah, <laughs> which it is not. Mm-mm. Um, so the first person we see is Reverend Scott, and that's played by Gene Hackman, who was forty-two when this movie came out. Um, I assume he's one of the people you're talking about in terms of recognizability. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, he he also seems like one of those people who's, like, looked the same his entire life. Yeah, totally. He's always Um, been middle-aged. Kind of a, yes, 100%. (laughs) Um, So, and also... I think he's still alive. I think I looked him up. He is. He's, like, 91 now. He is, but he retired in 2004. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I get it. I would be ready to do other (laughs) things, too. Um... So, namely nothing. Of, That's what I yes, would be do. Do other things, and by that I mean nothing at all. Uh, so, he first, as a youth, um, served as a Marine, and there are a couple other guys in this cast who also were Marines at various points. Hmm. Um, and then he actually started doing acting like when he was 30, I guess. Um, so, a little bit later, start than some others, it, you might imagine. Um, but by the time he was 40, he was a major star. So, like, he had a very hmm. quick rise. I would, I don't know how, and I can't give you a good reason for that. Other than that, he's probably a good actor, but. He's um, a good actor, though. I Whenever, like, <laughs> he's one of those actors, though, I will say, like, if you see him in one thing and that's what imprints on you, if you see him in something he else, he's that same guy. <laughs> so you're At saying because me, you saw him in the birdcage, that's correct. the only. Correct. <laughs> correct. Every time he talked, I was like, you're just the dad of the girl. Oh, oh my yeah, God. That is um, what it was. You're the me. dad of Callista Flockhart, yes. and you are nothing else to me. And you're the, um, he was like the, the senator, Senator Keeley. Yeah, that's what, that's what he is to me. 
for sure. Yeah, I I total I do have a similar kind of feeling about that. Um, but his big break was he played Buck Barrow, which is Clyde Barrow's brother, oh. in the 1967 um, Bonnie and Clyde. So that's hmm. Warren Beatty and um, oh. Faye Dunaway, right? Oh, Faye yeah, Dunaway. Yeah. Sure, sounds good. Um, right. I think that's right. Um, he's in Young Frankenstein. We already mentioned the Birdcage. One of his later roles, he plays the patriarch in Royal Tannenbaums. Mm. Um, and like I said, he retired in 2004. Um, I'm a fan. I like him. Yeah. Great guy. I actually kind of, I mean, now he's too old, but I would have liked him to kick around a bit longer if he wanted to. Um, <laughs> but I guess, I like let's see, if he's 91 and he quit 16 years ago, then that means he quit when he was like 75. So he did his time. That's fair. So I, guess I get it. It's totally cool. Um, I take it back. Um, the next character is a guy named Mike Rogo, who is played by Ernest Borgnine, um, who we've talked about already. I forgot, I forgot who he was, but I was like, I recognize that guy. And I don't remember, now I remember, okay, it was from Black Hole, but I was like. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. He's a weird guy. (laughs) He is a weird, he's certainly a weird looking man yeah um like Did kind he of a lot like, of like crazy people in his no, um I don't really because he's got crazy eyes I was gonna say he looks like the human version of Mr. Toad what <laughs> wait what you what know is... how some people look like animals oh sure so just are you, is Mr. Toad a specific toad yeah like Beatrix Potter Mr. Toad like Mr. Toad's wild ride I don't know Disneyland. what words you're saying right now <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but okay, fair enough. He's I. Uh, now I, I need to make sure that Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is a real thing and that not just sound, something no, I sounds, dream. No, I'm sure that's real. That that does sort of ring a bell when you say. Oh uh, like yes, times. of course, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. I told you, it's a <laughs> Disneyland ride. So he oh looks specifically like Stop a Stop making me feel like I'm fucking crazy. Well, I don't remember that, but um, but a toad. But in but what you could have said is he looks like a toad, and that I would agree with. Yes, yes, and I and weirdly, when I say that, I'm not saying he's ugly. No, I'm just he just looks like toad. He's a human man who looks like a toad. <laughs> so take that, you know, however you want to take that. Um, I'm attracted to toads, so it he's fine. Um, he's fine. <laughs> he's a hundred percent fine. All of the time. Um, Here's the thing. It Maybe this is controversial. It works on men to be a little funny looking. Yes. And he's a little funny looking. I'm not going to lie. And like, I mean, truly though, I am not sexually attracted to Ernest Borgnine, <laughs> but I can understand that someone might be. And maybe that's someone sure. too. And I'm not shaming you for it's that. Not, it's not me, but. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> here's an important question. Do you think you look like any type of animal? Oh god. Um uh probably, but I can't some it would be something with like a very round face, like maybe like a hedgehog. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh but they're kind of cute, so I feel like maybe that's not Oh no, like, they're super cute. That's not a bad one to pick if that's what you're going to do. Um I mean, I don't know if it's accurate, but it's sort of the first thing that popped into my head. That's really funny. I feel like sometimes, depending on how nuts my hair has gotten while I've slept, I'm like, that's like a, 
a lion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hair. If we're adding hair to the mix, oh, it could be bad. It could be like a skunk. Like It or... could be any number of things yeah. at that point. Um, now let's talk about the one, the only, Shelly Winters, who plays the character Belle Rosen. Um, I don't know any of their names, I'll be honest. It was hard to work that out. Um, Shelly Winters, I she's one of those people, I'd always heard the name Shelly Winters. Yeah. And typically in the form of a punchline. Um, oh, really? Yeah, but I never really knew who it was. Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't have picked her out of a lineup at any point. Yeah. I'm not sure I really saw much of her work at any point. Um, but here is a direct quote from the IMDb pro bio that she has. As a tarnished glamour girl and symbol of working class vulgarity in Hollywood, <laughs> that's like the what? start to a, to a longer diatribe about how she was often like, how she couldn't rise to certain heights of stardom because she was like too working class um, and too vulgar and too, like, so she's 52 in this movie. Um... And when she started out in Hollywood, she often played, like, a little bit of, like, um, vampy sort of uh, stuff. Well, when I look um, at, when you look at her, like, I think her, like, profile, oh, it's not a profile picture, but, like, the picture that comes up, she looks very different than what she looked in this movie. Yes, absolutely, for sure. Um, so she played, like, vamps initially, mm-hmm. um, and actually in her her picture on IMDb kind of reminds me of um, Angela Lansbury's character in Gaslight for some reason. Um, oh, like that's, that's funny. She's uh, a like, author, ain't she? Oh, boy. Um, Can we boy, talk about oh, that boy. movie? <laughs> no, we cannot. We cannot get sidetracked. Um, but so her first roles are in the early 40s. Okay. And so she's like this kind of cute girl, whatever, um, but then really and truly, and, th- and this is reflected in the movie and we'll talk about it, but like, it's from what I gathered from her bio is like, as she started to, well, one, it was a combination of things. It was that she played these like floozy types and then she often got cast in like B movie roles. And then to add insult to injury, she started gaining weight. Um, and it's, at that it's time, called, like, getting older people, like, it's really not that, like, dra- dramatic. No, and I, like, they don't mention this here, but I wonder, t- I often wonder, not just about women, but I think women, it kind of maybe shows up a bit more. Um, oftentimes, when you first start out in Hollywood, like, take any actor mm-hmm. um, of any gender, when you look at their early roles, they're, they're, Skinny. They're skinny as hell. Because they're children. <laughs> well, a lot well, of times. A lot of times, or they're, you know, they've been hustling, and they don't have the kind of money and wherewithal yep. and stuff. And then as they advance in their careers, almost all of them chunk up a little bit. Well, I mean, um, it's again, it's also, like, aging and, like, metabolism well, sure. and, like, science. Sure. And sure. in the beginning, again, if you're hustling and people are telling you at the beginning, you will not you work have, unless you yes, are this you size. you have to be. Yes, and You might take that into account later in life when you're like, oh, I've got some money. I don't feel as 
threatened by that anymore. And my name is enough. Like, I will still get cast because now people know who I am and, like, whatever. So, needless to say, these various things combined in such a way for her career as it went on. And admittedly, like, her career went on for 40 years. Like, she wasn't doing poorly. Um, And she did often win, you know. Good for her. she won, I think, at least two Academy Awards for supporting actor, actress roles. Mm. Um, she also kind of was a bit famous for being famous um, because she oh, wrote really? at least two tell-all kind of books. Ah, um, oh, gotcha. So, anyway, she just became, like I said, sort of a punchline in various ways, but also a bit of a heroine to some. Um, yeah. And definitely kind of beloved within a more campy part of the culture. Sure. Um, Because she did do these floozy things and did play, you know, these kind of bombastic women and stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, we will talk more about her as we go on. Um, Next we have a character named James Martin, who was played by somebody else who was really famous at the time, Red Buttons. He was also in his That's early fifties. Name? Red Buttons. Yes. Whoa. Which one Had is you he? Not, he's the guy. He's like one of the older looking ones who's befriending uh, the girl who's the singer. The, oh yeah, yeah. I didn't care for him. I mean, his red buttons. I almost spit out my coffee when he was. <laughs> Well, well, what like I mean, you said that as if that's like not a funny name. I mean, it is a funny. I mean, name it's a, and, it's clearly a stage name, but like yes. Um, so I've actually heard a joke about this before that I'm gonna take because I did think it was funny. Someone said like, "Oh, back in the olden days, if you needed a stage name, you just looked at whatever was around, and you're like, that's my name." So he like looked down. He's like, "My name is uh, Red Buttons. I got yeah. red buttons on my shirt." But then I it turned like out. That. But then that turns out to be actually true because... Is that literally his, how he came up with his... In his early days, he got his name from being a singing bellhop. So he had red buttons on his bellhop uniform. Wow. And then he became red button. <laughs> wow. And it's one thing, like, if that's your nickname, it's one thing to be like, I'm like John Red Buttons Jones or something. But, like, to fully... Well, hello, sir. (laughs) Welcome to Buckingham Palace. Yeah, but, like, for real, to be like, hi, my name's Red, Red Buttons. That's wild. I know. I know. Um, Like, if I had to come up with a stage name of, like, things around me, it would be... Oh, God, it would be bad. Mine would be super boring. It would be, like, computer stand. (laughs) (laughs) And then you would fit in in Hollywood. You You would be, like, all the, like... Uh, famous people's kids that would be like their names you would you and like audio what the hell is that one kid who moon unit oh. and like audio visual you could hang out with them i don't want to <laughs> oh my god red buttons okay anyway uh so he uh per this whole singing bellhop red buttons you can probably infer he came up through kind of like vaudeville and stuff but also he was primarily known as um a comedian uh back in the day but he did also do quite a bit of acting uh and so he has also won an oscar 
Please tell um, me it wasn't for a ticklish affair. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty that. sure not. I, hate I chose that, that specifically for you. <laughs> I really hate it. I'm so glad you're really like picking up what I'm putting down today. <laughs> um, yes, I don't know what that movie's about, but I don't care for it. Whatever it, it is, sounds concerning and uh, yeah. Um, the other thing, again, here because everybody's sort of of an age, almost everybody that we've talked about or will talk about has made appearances on both Fantasy Island and The Love Boat. Mm. Um, and he is they one just of those like people. Boat movies and boat shows. It just <laughs> boats were just a big deal back then. Was that then. like just a thing? Like people really liked boat centric, like the luxury things. liners. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. can't speak to that. Right. Um, the next character is called Nani Perry, and that's played by an actor named Carol Lindley, who is 30. So just to be clear, Red Buttons was 53 in this movie, and the woman he's being like, I didn't coupled care. with yeah, I didn't care for that. was 30. Yeah, I, I was really concerned about if they were dr- trying to make a love story happen there. I didn't it, like it. It was uncomfortable. Um, so Carol Lindley began, um, not as a child actor exactly, but she did, uh, start working when she was quite youngish, like in her late teens. And so she often played like innocent teenager roles. Um, and then I guess probably around her early twenties, she wanted to do things that were a little more challenging and a little more adult. So, so in the end, she kind of Again, similar to Shelley Winters, was in quite a lot of B-movies where she mm. was doing kind of like vampire stuff. Um, and then she also po- posed for Playboy, which one of the other women we're about to talk about also did the same. Mm. Um, again, also because of this is like this moment in time where Playboy is much more of a a thing than it yeah. is now. Is, that, is it even... Whatever, we don't need to talk about that. But I feel like it's definitely not what it was in the 70s. No, I mean, real. It's hard for us to. Do they even print this. magazines anymore? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Uh, they do. I <laughs> maybe. know that they do, but I mean, it just seems uh, so like. I don't know. I tr- I haven't seen a magazine. Only in airports do I see them. Yes, yes. I haven't seen evidence of a magazine <laughs> anywhere <laughs> in my life. So she basically kind of eventually like moved her way out um, from acting, and it's unclear to me what then kind of the rest of her life contained, but hopefully Mm -hmm. it was great. Um, Next, we have the character Akers, played by yet another See You Next Week in Space (laughs) favorite, Roddy McDowell, um, who we've now talked about both for Black Hole and for Planet of the Apes. He Um, was just, like, turning them out. All over the place. Um, next we have the character Linda Rogo, uh, one of my personal faves. She was the pink shirt lady? Pink shirt lady, yes. Um, played by Stella Stevens, who's 34. Um, she got her big break playing, and this is true, a character called Appassionata Von Climax in a a movie version of Lil Abner. That's... Hmm. <laughs> I don't love that. I mean, it's quite. It's is. 
<laughs> I just like don't even know how to respond to that, to be honest. That is, wow. Okay. Yeah. I also kind of, I the reason I pointed this out is because, so this little Abner movie came out in 1959 and we have a character called Appassionata von Climax. And the only reason I think that's important is that we often think, especially about the 50s, that everyone was like very buttoned up yeah. and like respectable and never talked about sex and never cared about this stuff. Yeah. Um, and then this is like this mainstream thing where there's a woman whose last name is Von Climax. And you know and what I it can, sounds like? It sounds like an Austin Powers movie. <laughs> she does. It absolutely does. And, you know, like, you can't even say, like, people didn't know what that meant. That was like sure. an inside joke. I'm like, no, they knew. Of they knew. Of course. <laughs> I mean, what else in the hell could that mean? Von Climax like, is not a last name. Like, no, that is... And it's... This isn't even a pun. This is like... No. This is too on the nose. Everyone knows what this is. Yeah. Like... It's almost lazy, but it's, I mean, it's it funny, is. but like, yeah. they like they didn't even spell it different or they didn't even do, try to no. make it like Von Klimaki or something. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow. She's another one who posed for Playboy in her mm-hmm. day. Um, she did a lot of TV movies that seemed to be her main claim to fame. Mm. Um, but also, as with many, Love Boat and Fantasy Island. Wow, Making interesting. A big spot there. I guess I should like try to watch some of those. I've never watched. I don't of those know. Shows. I think they're both pretty silly in their way, but they there might be a joy Maybe to be boat, wrong like. from that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, the next character is Manny Rosen, played by Jack Albertson, who is sixty-five. Um, I he okay? Yes, he's this one. Okay. Yes, Grandpa Joe yep. from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I yeah. recognized him immediately. Yeah. Because uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory comes out the same year as this. Oh, really? Yeah, I think they're both 72. Oh, um, interesting. Or like Willy Wonka's 73. Like they're really yeah. right in the same window. Mm-hmm. Um, his IMDb bio describes him as a former song and dance man and veteran of vaudeville, which I really liked. As, like, I would love to see him as like... Uh, song and dance. It's. I think uh, it says Willy Wonka came out in seventy one. So he okay. So it's, yeah, and then this seventy two. Okay. Yeah. Um. He's also a fellow masshole. He is oh, from really? Malden, if I remember. Interesting. Correctly. Uh. So love it. Welcome, sir. Oh wait. <laughs> Welcome means nothing. He's dead. I don't know what I'm talking oh. about. Um, <laughs> well, goodbye. <laughs> but it, I like to share like a feeling of kinship with him. Gotcha. Um, he kind of was all over the place, uh, lots of credits, did a lot of stuff. Um, but his longest standing role was actually just after this movie in something called Chico and the Man, which I do not know what that's about. I feel um, like I've heard of that, but I don't know what that is. I have not. I can safely say I've never heard of it. <laughs> um, and that ran from 74 to 78. And then I think kind of, because he's already 65 in this movie, I think he kind of slowly eases out uh, mm-hmm. by the time we get into the 80s. Um, the last two characters are Susan and Robin Shelby. Susan played by Pamela Sue Martin, who is 19, um, and Robin played by Eric Shea, who is 12. Now, in the case of Pamela Sue Martin, um, she, as is the case for a lot of especially the really young women that we see in these movies Mm -hmm. um she started out modeling Mm -hmm. um and then kind of from that did some acting 
uh, I thought probably most interesting about her is that she played Nancy Drew in a short-lived effort at the Nancy Drew, like a Nancy Drew TV series in the 70s. Oh, interesting. Um, I thought she was pretty good for 19. Yeah, she was fine. I mean, she didn't really have much to do, frankly. She screamed Um, a lot, I feel like. She did do that. Um, (laughs) And then also Fantasy Island and Love Boat. And then um, she was a series regular on Dynasty for a while in the 80s. So... Decent, I would say probably decent career for her. Yeah. Um, and then Eric Shea, the little boy, um, unsurprisingly child actor, did quite a bit of like um, I didn't recognize sort of Disney. Him or oh no, me neither. Not like anything we would have seen, but like Disney TV stuff. Okay. Um, okay. That sort of thing. Um, but he again, it looks like he was one of those people that like he did it maybe from the time he was eight to 18 and then was like, I'm, I'm off to do other I'm good. Things. I'm good. I got my main, my money yeah. and I'm deuces Hollywood. I think, I know. I think frankly, that's maybe the winning move for a child actor is like, I mean, get, if you can get if, your money and get out. Yeah. If you can like survive it and it doesn't totally wreck you. I agree. Like it, is there are so few that like get in get out of it unscathed and continue to work. If yeah. you can get out of it unscathed and you know have a normal life or do other things and just bank that money or whatever, I say Better. go for it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So now we open on the Poseidon adventure. And oh, here we go. Uh, one I of th- the Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, we, a character we didn't talk about because we don't need to, but um, the, well, I guess we can get to it when we talk about the captain. Yes. Um, so one of the other reasons this movie turned out to be at least sort of acceptable for this podcast is because it begins with a title card. Yes. Well, and again, <laughs> reason why I was confused. I literally remember being like, oh, of course, a sci-fi movie title card. Here we go. <laughs> And the title card specifically says, like, we're watching a ship on at sea, and there's, like, storming happening, and then the title card comes over, and it says, at midnight on New Year's Eve, the SS Poseidon, en route from New York to Athens, met with disaster and was lost. There were only a handful of survivors. This is their story, dot, dot, dot. So here we go. Spoiler alert. I know it does. It does tell you like the whole fucking movie before you even. I like. I almost turned it off. I was like, "Well, don't need to watch it. Know what happened." So then I kept watching it. Then we enter onto the bridge, where we see the crew and particularly the captain. And the captain is played by who? Leslie Nielsen. And I was waiting for him to be like, "What's the vector, Victor?" What's oh. the snob blob or whatever? <laughs> like, I, I've only ever seen him in goofy-ass movies, so this was right. weird for me. Yes, I felt the same because, I like, that's the whole thing, is the reason he's funny in Airplane and these other movies is because he's always playing it straight, and, like, he really But he's, like, that. such a fucking goofball. Like, I mean, na- the, all the Naked Gun movies, like... Right. I mean, he. I guess you're right. He does, like, play all of that with a fully straight face but correct so crazy (laughs) and in it because i mean this predates airplane um but because i know airplane and because he's the captain in that as well 
And like he's and because he delivers lines similar to the lines he delivers in this movie, I was like, yeah. is this supposed to be funny? Is this it was throwing me off. <laughs> yeah, it was throwing me off a little. I've, I'll be honest. I'm like, but we just were told that this is pretty serious. I, I know. Like I'm and not I, supposed to think this is funny. I know. And it was giving me misplaced hope that then eventually by the so end of the movie get was dashed. Yeah. Yes. Um, so... He calls down, there's this big storm that's messing everything up, um, and he's trying to get, like, more power to do something about the way the ship is, like, bucking back and forth, but they can't do it. Um, and so he, so the captain yells at this guy who we only know as Lenarcos, so I assume that's his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lenarcos has been apparently pushing for quite a number of days for them to go faster and faster despite the poor weather conditions. Um, and, and the this ship is, is already, like, uh, rocking, would you say? Is that what Yes. It is? Yeah. Yes. It's like, it looks like it's waving back and forth side to side. Well, because, like, I will say about, like, the effects and some of the stuff, like, <laughs> it felt like they were achieved by literally, like, shifting the camera and not anything, oh, like, yeah. on the set or not. It was like the camera well, was, like, moving, not this- the people. <laughs> In this scene, I wrote in my handwritten notes, everyone leans real hard. So there was a part where, like, everyone was leaning very, like, akin to, like, you know, um, old-timey Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're leaning to the right. Now we're leaning to the left. Right. Um, But so basically the main thing we learn from this scene is that the SS Poseidon, that's the ship that they're on, is um, on its final journey. Um, and it's quite old, so it can't, like, do some of the things that presumably more modern ships can do. Um, then we're introduced, basically, to all the various players that we're going to be seeing for the remainder of the movie. Uh, we go out the following, I get, and this, I guess, is meant to be the following day, because now the storm has kind of settled down, mm-hmm. and various people are on the deck. We see James Martin, who is power walking in a very <laughs> weird way, um... Mm. We see the Rosens, whereupon Mrs. Rosen, as James kind of power walks by, Mrs. Rosen tells her husband that she thinks he needs to be married, which I'm like, it's not your business, bitch. Get out of it. (laughs) Uh, But she does not give up on that, this whole movie. Um, And then we're also introduced to Reverend Scott, who is in this, like, heated debate uh, with uh, a priest that I guess is his friend or something. Um, I personally... Like, there isn't much of a time... Like, we will talk a little bit about how the women look when disaster strikes. But yeah, um, I did have to really pause on Gene Hackman's reverend look, which is a blazer with a turtleneck underneath. <laughs> um, which was, like, so, to me, like, is such a reverend-y? 70s. That sort of screams more like professor to me, but, like... Is that wrong? <laughs> no, I mean, I. it's just like a 70s mm. look for like, I'm sort of serious, but not, I'm cash too. Um, <laughs> like you can, we can talk, like I'm your buddy, but I've yeah, got a so blazer on, rever- so don't forget like, it. So like, quote unquote, cool reverend or quote unquote, cool professor, mm-hmm. both would have that yeah. look in their yeah, yeah. wheelhouse, right? Um, then we go back up to the bridge where we get 
uh, a communique that basically says that the weather that has been plaguing the ship for the past few days is going to clear up. And so then, then when this Lenarcos guy hears this, he demands that the ship go full ahead, um, which yes. I guess means like full speed. Mm-hmm. Um, the captain, Leslie Nielsen, objects to this. This is when they start yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, Lenarcos is like, well, I represent the new owners of this company, and we've got to get there because we're already late to get to Athens. And the thing that's the stupidest of all is he's, he's like, upset about getting late to Athens, but when the Poseidon gets to Athens, it's going to be decommissioned. So it's just going to be, like, ripped apart. So, like, I don't see why it matters when the thing shows up or not. Here's the thing I don't understand about ship movies. Okay. <laughs> I feel like the idea of going faster and faster is a thing in these ship movies and tends to be the undoing in the end, right? Right, right. That we're not paying attention to nature yeah. and what it's telling us. Yeah. And, like, who cares? Like, <laughs> who, <laughs> like, like, when you make a, a journey across the sea like that, they give you, like, okay, we're arriving such and such day, but A, weather comes into effect here, like, things can happen... And B, like, who's over on the other side, like, waiting and caring, like, oh, we're going to be a day late because we hit bad weather. Or, oh, I know this is the Titanic's first voyage. It has to be the fastest. Why? Like, right. why, people? Why? Slow down. <laughs> <laughs> That's my advice. <laughs> That's your advice for almost everything. Yes. I it, feel it, like. it, it, it is universal <laughs> advice. <laughs> Slow the hell down. Um, I mean, really, I think not just disaster movies, but lots of different stories are in some sense informed by this thing of like human beings think that they're in control, but nature reminds Hubris. them. Yes. Yeah. Nature reminds them that that's not always true and maybe yeah. it's never true. Um, never but I think true. in this in this case, I almost think that this is functioning a bit differently because... Mm. The way I was reading this is I kept thinking that the disaster was going to come from this, you know. Oh, like yeah, yeah. From the ship, from the storm, from the being pushed to go too fast. I, but that is actually not the inciting incident to what happens. That's true. Um, so I, Yeah, I'm, how fast they were going would not have saved them from what ended up happening. No. And in fact, it might, if they had gone faster, they might have outrun the thing. So who knows? I really. Um, well, anyway, I don't know. I don't know. So so again, we then we just this is all basically just establishing stuff, and I guess yeah. maybe tension building as well. So we go and we see Nani and her weird folk band practicing. I kind of like them. I thought their music sounded terrible. <laughs> I thought they. I, for I truly thought for a minute, like, is this a famous band that really existed at this time? Because it <laughs> sounded so much of oh, that yes. time. Yeah, I also did notice the guy who is we learn is her brother later Mm -hmm. he was with like the long hair and long mustache that was like the type of mustache (laughs) that like makes a u an upside down u on a person's face i was like like, literally straight and like it curls over your lips no where it's like it's the you have the mustache on like the upper lip part of you but Mm. then you specifically shave so that then it goes down but then you don't have any hair on your chin or on your cheeks. It's just yeah. like that 
line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he had that going on with some long hair, and I was like, oh, man, you do not get those looks much anymore. <laughs> um, despite men's happiness to experiment with facial hair of late, they do not seem to be into that. That one doesn't seem to come back. Configuration. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we see her, and then this is also where Acres is shown to us. Then we go to a cabin where Sue and Robin are there fighting his brother and sister. Um, I think this is also where... Uh, oh, no. Not yet. Um, then we go on deck again, and Reverend Scott is giving a sermon that I think is meant to be some kind of foreshadowing, though I'm not sure it totally works the way it's intended um, because he's basically saying something which I really hated, which was um, that in, that God's plan does not extend to you as an individual. Um, and so you can look at your life and sort of hate it and be like, but God's plan is like letting me down. And he was basically saying like, it's not about you. It's about humanity and like your and like your ancestors and then your descendants and the like kind of the collective unconsciousness maybe mm-hmm. um so like your life can be total shit and you shouldn't feel angry at god about that and i was like huh i don't yeah, know i don't know if that's how so i feel great. about that <laughs> like it's night here's the deal it's nice to be a part of a collective and to feel as if you know just your existence matters and you don't have to like do anything per se but I think this comes across as like you you as an individual truly don't matter it is only the collective um and and you may even for the collective have to um sacrifice your own personal happiness and that I don't agree with and but But depending on what you're talking about and also (laughs) The other thing I really didn't like, and this is a direct quote, he says, God wants winners, not quitters. And I was like, No, I hate what that. The fuck are you talking no, about? I hate that. Here's the thing. If quitting wasn't a viable thing, it wouldn't exist. Quitting <laughs> is viable. It you hey everyone, you're allowed to quit something if you anything don't want to do want, it. You can quit doing it. I love quitting things. Like, (laughs) I don't even know what that means. But, like, I, you know, sometimes things are not forever. Why? Like, and maybe it doesn't even have to, maybe the word quit already just has too much of a negative connotation attached. But it doesn't have to be quitting. It's like, I am ceasing that. (laughs) You can call it what you want, but I love quitting. I am desisting of yes. this activity. Correct. Entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, no, to me especially, like, the God wants winners, not quitters. Yeah. Um, because yeah. this guy is some sort of, um, he's a reverend, so he's he's Protestant. Um, and that means, I was like, I'm getting a real evangelical of the now vibe yeah. off this, and I well, don't that- like it. Yeah, and that particular quote will come back. He says it again when we're, like, in the midst of disaster. And he kind of uses it against people, which I don't love. Well, yeah, I mean, what this scene does is tells us 
very important things about how Reverend Scott is going to respond to this crisis. And he is the kind of ringleader of the whole thing. On yeah. the one hand, we he has said the group is more important than the individual. Yeah. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. And he's also said, basically, like, no matter what happens, don't quit. Yeah. Like, you know, and that will, that is very illustrative of what we will see in his future behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the final set of people we're introduced to are the Rogos. Um, and we are seeing them getting ready for the big New Year's Eve dinner celebration. Um, and they've been invited to sit at the captain's table And Mrs. Rogo is not interested in doing that. She's feeling extremely agitated about this invitation, in fact. Um, And do you want to try and explain, like, why she's so upset about this? Um, No, I don't remember. (laughs) Oh, because, so... Oh, whoa, whoa, because... Oh, she's... Go ahead. Oh, I'm reading what you wrote here. I didn't remember this part, or I didn't, wasn't paying attention. Um... She doesn't, she feels uncomfortable because who's a cop? It says he's okay. a cop. Okay, you so, say it. <laughs> so Mike Rogo is a police officer. And I think, yeah. I want to even say he might be a New York City police officer, but I can't remember for sure. Mm-hmm. And they're very cagey. They don't actually say that she is a prostitute. Um, they don't use that word. Um, mm-hmm. Because I guess this is meant to be like a, family-friendly movie. Yeah. Um, But what they do talk about, and it becomes very clear, is that she has, she was a former prostitute, former sex worker, Mm -hmm. and it was in that capacity that the two of them met. They're married now, newly married, I think. Um, But because of her past, she basically does not want to, like, be around all these people because she's convinced she's going to run into one of her former clients somewhere here's okay that's fair what I will say about that is <laughs> I have hot takes on like all of this so here's <laughs> here's what I would say about that anybody out there who's a sex worker or anything of the like and you're concerned about meeting your clients in public and what they a might say or when do, you're not in the context yes. of Yes. Doing the work. Yes. Here's, here's, if they try to demean you, if they try to whatever, you can be like, um, you were there too. <laughs> like, right. The True. fact that you know me and recognize me right now is just as much of an indictment on, on you, if not more. Well, and especially if what you're doing, if you are shaming me. Yes. By virtue of being my client, presumably you think that being my client is shameful, so you're probably not going to say anything at all. Like, That's true. I mean, all of that. But the bottom line being, like, um, it reminds me of a joke in Friends when um, someone thinks that Phoebe is, like, because her sister did porn, and oh, right. someone recognizes her thinking that she's her sister. And she's like... She sees someone recognizing her and she's like, oh, you think you, are you recognizing me right now? What do you think you recognize me from? And the guy's like, oh, I don't know. And she's like, it's from porn, you pervert. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's just that type of thing. Like, I don't be, don't be um, afraid someone will recognize you. If they do, that's on them. And yeah, 
Yeah. Um, so that's, and that's what he says to her is like, one, probably no one will. And two, if they do, what do you care? You know, like, right. and he he's like, I'm not ashamed of like what you did and you're not. So like, what does it matter? Um, right. So eventually uh, he w- wins her over and they're going to go to this dinner and sit at the captain's table. Um, so then we go to the celebration of New Year's Eve. We're in the dining room of this fancy ship. Nani's band is playing and everyone's <laughs> dancing. I don't, I don't, like, I kept ca- wanting to call this music, like, folk jazz or something. Um, yeah. And, and people are dancing to it as though it's, like, I don't know, like. No, it's, I didn't. Real I, rockin' music. And I'm like, no, 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 no. No, it's, like, a quiet, like, Sunday afternoon type of listening. It's not, like, yeah. let's rock out to this. But people be maybe because it's New Year's Eve, they're just really trying to make it work and are dancing quite uh, actively to this music, <laughs> is what I'll say. Um, and then again, we're kind of going around the different scenarios and different groups and just learning more about each of the characters. So this is like, um, I th- did you know that? I think this is true. Like when you're on a cruise, usually you get assigned a table that you're meant to sit at all the time. I did not know that because I've never been on a cruise. But that sounds like weirdly high school yeah you get assigned a table and I guess partially it's meant to foster some like camaraderie because then you get to know the people who sit with you oh all ew the time. you sit with other people oh ew that's even worse <laughs> I was thinking it was like my own private table no. Oh, no oh that's horrible so that's so my reason number then, a billion I won't be going on a cruise yeah so my inference here is like so we go to this one table and it's um James and the Rosens and some other people and this is when Mrs. Rosen bothers him again for being unmarried um which is like lady shut up mind your business like mm-hmm. and then um at Reverend Scott's table there's another pair of people, and they do a weird toast to love. Um, oh, yeah, that's when, because, so Re- at Reverend Scott's table is the the brother and sister pair, Sue and Robin. And right. this is when he, Reverend Scott gives the toast, and then Sue looks at him with this incredibly, like, lascivious look. And I was like, ugh, like, why do you like this old man? Yeah, very weird. Um, so then we're nearing midnight. Champagne is being served. We do the countdown. Your favorite song begins. Um, I hate it. But in the midst of all of that, um, the bridge gets a notification that there has been an undersea earthquake off the coast of Crete that is a 7.8 on the Richter scale. So big. Not good. And so they call the captain. He's called away from the dining table. And um, they are now in the bridge, which is where we are now, um, getting increasing reports about an impending tsunami that is going to be hitting into their um, trajectory, basically. Um, Here's what I'm going to say. <laughs> do you know um, a lot about tsunamis or something? I, I don't know a lot about them, but what I do know about them is I think for me personally, they are my they're the scariest form of a natural disaster to me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we've, like, in the, I would say, like, since the year 2000, there have been a lot of, like, high-profile tsunami yeah. things. Um, I'm not sure that there's much tsunami likelihood actually in the Mediterranean where this is. Um, I don't know But either. nonetheless, this is happening. Um, so that's what they're stuck with here. Um, the captain and the crew are looking on the radar. They see this massive wave is coming, um, but it is just too late. Um, there is no way for them to outrun this thing. Um, alarms start going off all over the ship. And then we get some of the first disaster footage scenes where we see different parts of the ship getting hit by the water. Um, In the bridge, we see water breaking through the windows of the bridge and basically wiping away the entire crew. So we will not be seeing Leslie Nielsen again. I Um, I was a little bummed about that, but... And I will say, like, as we go on, this will be, this was hitting me more and more. Like, I don't, I know we've done disaster movies since the 70s, but this one was interesting because it did actually make people die. Oh, yeah. Um, like, like, a lot of people. <laughs> a lot. Um, and I mean, because, yeah, it's true because in a lot of the more contemporary ones, I don't know if I'm thinking of the right ones, usually the main characters survive, like, all of right. them. Somehow, right. miraculously. Yeah, there's a lot of weird miraculous stuff. And so yeah. he, this was kind of interesting where, like, it was like, I kept thinking, like, oh, but somehow this person will come back. And it's like, nope, they're not yeah. coming back. Um, yeah. So then we go into the dining room where everyone has been celebrating New Year's Eve. We start seeing, as you said, like, the camera is tilting um, I to actually show kind us. of loved this part in a weird, like, morbid way. Because all I was thinking, <laughs> I personally didn't think it looked super realistic because it, to me it looked like they were just flipping the camera. But what it looked like was just like pratfall after pratfall, like just people falling. <laughs> it is people falling. I thought kind of the opposite. I, th- I mean, oh, really? I'm sure camera work is part of it, but I wondered if they even had constructed that set such that they were maybe lifting it on hydraulics to like get... Oh. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. Because at, at the first parts of it, it did look like people were just told, like, lean over this yeah. way, you know. But as it got more and more where the ceiling, where the floor was becoming the ceiling, um, like, I I mean, I do, I did like this too in the sense that um, you go into this, cha- like, I think they just rendered chaos really yeah. accurately. Like, yeah, of, like, I guess the confu- so. The confusion and then like all that this very sudden thing is happening and everyone's not really sure what to do and there's shouting and like the boat and as the boat when the boat settles so that it is upside down and then there are people hanging on to stuff that has been affixed to the floor but now they're hanging from that and then they start to drop down um you know like that felt kind of real seeming to me even after all this time, right? This movie is almost 50 years old. And yeah, I mean, that's still, true. Um, and I guess maybe this is also something we've talked about before. I think this is also one of the benefits of doing practical effects. Like, this mm-hmm. was all practical effects. There was clearly no computer graphic. You know, like, no. Mm-hmm. This was, how can we do this based on actual, like, camera work or items we can use or wait tricks of something Mm -hmm. to make it look a certain way um it really got 
kind of the, it, I don't know, realism maybe isn't quite the right word, but it felt more kind of compelling, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and so then the boat settles upside down. It will remain upside down the remainder of the movie. All the lights go out. And here is where I wrote in my notes, we are exactly at 30 minutes. <laughs> there is like, a lot just, more movie coming. Like I know. Well, I did think, I was like, this is, I wish people, well, I don't know. I was like, this is the exact right amount of exposition yeah. for this movie. Like, I agree. Need, the movie is about the disaster, so we need to get to that. Like, that's I agree. the point. I mean, that, a.k.a., well, <laughs> a.k.a. might not be right, but, like, Titanic, for example, because that's what I... There's a lot of buildup. Oh, my God. I mean, that movie's three hours long. This one's two. They had, right. like, a whole extra hour of stuff we didn't need. <laughs> right. Um, then, so in this first flip over, quite a lot of people already are dead as a result of that. Yeah. And as you'll see in my notes, I wrote in parentheses, I'd like that for myself. <laughs> I yeah, just I die think, straight away. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I really don't have the... Uh, whatever it is that the rest of the people who go on and because I would need <laughs> if I were to expend the amount of energy that's expended the the rest of the movie by the people that survive I would need a written guarantee that I was going to survive yeah because otherwise it seems useless hopeless yeah <laughs> like yeah I would I would I'm not like a survivor type I would want to be dead immediately yeah I mean I think I I could see myself as being a survivor once that is my only option I but guess I would prefer not to have to decide. I don't want to choose I don't want to have to climb up a Christmas tree and choose like yes no thanks yes um and this is the other part of the movie that I kind of liked is that f- going forward we're just like in one setting and then we're in the next one and then we're in the next one. So like, this is like, we're in the dining room. That's the first part of this whole thing. Yeah. And there's quite a lot of people there. The purser on the ship has still been in the dining room and is kind of trying to take charge. And he says that the best thing to do is remain in the dining room, that the rescue crews will find them there and they're better served to remain in there. And then this was a very, like I forgot to say, I think Titanic, the ship, is being referenced here quite a bit for some reason. Because when you, whenever we get views of the ship, it looks like the Titanic. Yeah. Um, and also in this moment where the purser's saying we should just hang tight, he also says all of the ship is like sealed off from itself. Like so, each place has a different compartment. So if water fills one place, it will just stay in that one place. And so we're fine here. Right. Um, which, of course, again, is part of the reason why the Titanic was such a spectacular failure as well, was this belief in different compartments. <laughs> um, I thought you were about to say it was spectacular, and then you said spectacular failure. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, intriguingly, the person who comes up for the idea of, well, now, like, so the dining room used to be at the top, of the ship, but we've flipped over. So now we're at the bottom. And that means that rescuers, if they get down here, like we we're, we have to get up higher to make it easier for them to find us, basically. Yeah. 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 Now, I, f- 
forgot that the person who says this originally is not Reverend Scott, who ultimately takes charge of the people who decide to climb up, but uh, James, good old weird power walking old guy, oh, Red really? Buttons, is the one who says it first. <laughs> Buttons. Ah. Uh. Always trust a guy named Red Buttons, people. I don't know about that. I don't know about that at all. I'm not sure. Um, So this idea gets thrown out. There's a lot of disagreement about it. Um, Even the people who end up kind of deciding to do it have to kind of talk amongst themselves about it. Um, But then, yes, Reverend Scott kind of takes this on as his own plan and reason for being and they pull the Christmas tree up uh, because Acres is like stuck on some weird ledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and they he calls down to them and they're like, what's up there? And he's like, oh, that goes into this other part of the ship. And they're like, we need to actually come up to you. Um, so then a few people start climbing up this Christmas tree that they've a fit, kind of leaned up to bring go up to the balcony. Um, and weirdly this is when we get into what you were discussing before like disaster looks yeah in movies um because all the women have been dressed in nice outfits because they were just at a party yep um and so susan the teen girl is one of the first people to climb up the christmas tree Mm -hmm. and reverend scott a 42 year old man tells her you have to take off your gown, like the long skirt, um, mm-hmm. because you won't be able to climb up the Christmas tree. And I was like, And you know huh? what I would say? This is what I would say to that. This would be my response. I can climb up a goddamn Christmas tree and any goddamn thing I want when I'm about to, when I'm in a ship that's upside goddamn down. Right. That's what I would say. Now, in her case, uh, because she's she did have to be shorts underneath a young it. teen. Somehow she had a dress that had shorts underneath it, which he can't have known were there. <laughs> and, or was it a weird dress that like sort of had shorts like that were out? Like what was happening? No, with that dress? it looked no? like just a dress. Like it looked weird. like a I don't know. Had, but so yes, but they were like reveals, full shorts. <laughs> yes, she reveals that she's got so she's got a white top and red shorts on. And the other thing that's important to remember for the remainder of this film, she also has red sandal little heels, and those stay on her feet the whole time. Oh, I didn't clock that. Oof, yeah. God. So, she, so then she climbs up. Um, the Rogos eventually also decide to follow this plan, and Mrs. Rogo, who was in a real... I actually really liked the gown she was in. It was like a white... Yeah, uh, but it was. But he was not thing. wrong here. That was not conducive. That wasn't gonna. <laughs> that wasn't gonna last. Um, so he tells her, like, "Have you got anything on under that dress?" She says, "Panties." Um, and then, of course, Mister Rogo gets really irritated about this because it's. <laughs> I mean, it is pretty fucked up. I'll say that. Um, so then, one of the men gives her his like tuxedo shirt. Right. Um, and so she's. For the rest of the movie, she's in a pink tuxedo shirt, white panties, and sil- silver platform sandals that she also keeps on the whole movie. It's a long. look. I mean, it is a <laughs> look. There was one part when she's swimming in water, and I was like, she's still got those fucking shoes on? My That's God. Absurd. That's but absurd. I will say, in defense of whoever made these choices, if you were walking through the situation, you would want to have shoes. I guess because the floor sort. would get like shitty and hot probably at points. Yeah, or any or have 
broken bits of glass or yeah. something. I guess, um, but I'd rather have some sneakers on. <laughs> I know. Um, but we, we can't be choosers here. Um, I guess. So then we end up with this relatively small group of people who are going to go along to try and climb na- to what is now the top of the ship. Mm. Um, and... Da, 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 uh, okay. At first... There and yeah, so it's like a total of ten people who decide to do this, mm-hmm. and then Reverend Scott is trying to convince more people who are still down in the dining room to climb up the Christmas tree, <laughs> and they're sticking with the purser basically, who's saying no, th- that's the stupid thing to do. Stay here. That's the smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then we get one of the things that is actually the driver of the plot explosions yeah um explosions start to happen and now the dining room like water and fire start piercing through the walls of the dining room and it causes um a massive amount of panic unsurprisingly amongst the people who are still there and Mm -hmm. so now a whole bunch of people are trying to climb up that christmas tree but it was never sturdy enough it could only kind of take one or two people at a time um, so now in this race to get out of these, uh, the dining room, the Christmas tree falls down with the weight of the people who are trying to climb on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, basically this was like cold as fuck. Reverend Scott turns to the people who he's kind of like the last one to get out. And he just literally like shuts the door, <laughs> turns to the group of other people looking at him and is like, Let's go. We have to go. <laughs> yeah. And I was just but like, also he's got a wow. point. Like, I mean, that sucks, but like, but he had just finished telling them, like, you have a choice. Come with us. This is what you've got to do. Or you yes. can stay here. And they made, they did make that choice. And it's horrible. And it was the wrong choice. But even if, like, some of people, some people were not getting out of there. Like, there was just, right. like, it, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. So then they have a brief opportunity. So they've gotten out of the dining room and then they really need to figure out, like, we've said this thing about going up to the top, but, like, where specifically should we be going? Um, And this is when um, I think it might even be the kid, like Robin, the kid, who says we should go to the engine room um, because it is as close to the bottom of the ship as we can get and... There's something about the hull there that he does. Because, like, the kid has been taken on some sort of tour or has learned the blueprints of the ship before sailing. Mm -hmm. But all the adults always say, like, shut up, kid. Um, (laughs) But but ultimately they decide that's where they're going to go is go to this engine room. And so so then Reverend Scott turns to Akers, the waiter, the one person who's worked on the ship, and he's like, do you know how to get there? And Akers is like, I think so. I think I know a way to get there. So they have to walk through a series of different unpleasant spaces. We go through the kitchen, which is partially on fire and full of dead bodies. Um, well, it's not good. No, it's not good. This is, uh, this is when we first start to see, um, well, not first, because the women have already been forced to take all their clothes off. But again, as we're walking through the kitchen, the women are freaking out at the sight of the dead bodies, but the men seem to be quite 
stalwart about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we end up in this other kind of hallway on the other side of the kitchen where they have to walk up some upside down stairs. So they have to basically slide up a slide to get to where they need to go. Um, and the main point here is to establish that Rogo and Reverend Scott are often in disagreement with yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, and that will carry through the remainder. That's like the, not, I don't know why. It's like, I don't think we need more conflict in this movie. Like, yeah, uh, but to make just, it entertaining. Yeah, it's true. But it's like, you always need like that pissing contest between guys, I guess. I guess. Um, but so, again, each place that we are, we spend a few minutes there at least where then it's the interpersonal conflict is happening. But what always puts an end to these scenes is water starts to pour through and follow them and they have to move. So that's what happens here. They all end up going to this weird duct um, that they all have to crawl through. And this is when we start, I mean, I think there have already been some fat jokes Oh my god, uh, throughout they don't stop on I feel Mrs. Like, Rosen. But this yeah. is where she says that she can't go through this duct because she's too fat. Um, and they're like, no, that's not true. I will say the one heartening thing about this is every time she says she's too fat, her husband says, No, you're not. That's very cute. So there's um, something at least that's but it was better. but it w- Yeah, but it the it was nonstop I thought I felt like every line she said was like some type of either defense or offense about her weight I thought it was sad there was there was a lot of that well but then also talking about her grandson those were kind of the main things she had to say in this (laughs) movie um so then they go through it through this tiny duct into a bigger air shaft thing and they have to climb up this ladder that's alongside this air shaft to get to the next deck, which is bringing them closer to where they their final destination. Mm-hmm. We have explosions again. <laughs> and as a result of this, um, the air shaft that they are climbing in is now, like there was already water at the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that water is kind of rising faster than it was before. Um, and this is when both Acres and Rogo fall into the water uh, and seemingly are lost for a bit. Um, this is also when Nani tries climbing the ladder and freaks out. Oh, um, yeah. That would be me, though, to be fair. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny. Like, the things that annoy me in movies, like, where I'm like, oh, come on. Just jump or, oh, come on, just do that. I would, in real life, I'd be like, I would be the disaster. Probably. I mean, I I, I know exactly what you mean because I was irritated with this woman the whole time. <laughs> I was like, just fucking she was do a little, something. She was a little annoying. Uh, like, she, all she was doing was being, like, crying and, like, freaking out. But that would totally be me. <laughs> I mean, in fairness to her, in the previous scene, she was, like, cuddling her dead brother. Yeah, and, that was like, weird couldn't let it go so she's probably having a bit of a psychotic break or something yeah I mean all of them have experienced like a trauma and now they're literally also in like survival mode it's got to be weird yeah but James manages to convince her to keep going and that's 
their dynamic now is like he's going to be helping her through the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, this is so Rogo does manage to get out of the water, but Acres is gone. Um, and again, this is for a few minutes. I was like, oh, maybe we'll see him again, <laughs> but we don't. <laughs> we yeah. absolutely do not. Um, when they get out of this air shaft onto the next deck, that's when they see some other people. Um, and this is another set of survivors who have found their way to this sameish place in the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're being led by the ship's doctor. And they say that rather than going to the engine room, which is at the stern, which is the back of the ship, yeah, they're going to the bow, which is the front of the ship. Mm-hmm. And Reverend Scott says, that's stupid. You shouldn't be doing that because... Um, He's a ship genius. I'll just say this I know, right here and right I now. I know. There's, there's many a time where I was thinking, like, how do you know this? You're just insisting he's a this genius. is true. Like, yeah, he's a genius. Um, <laughs> because he says, no, don't go down there because the bow is further underwater than the stern. And I was like, how do you know that? Truly, how does he know that? Like, really, honestly, how does he know that? He doesn't. He can't. He can't. But he it. seems to have been right. He was right, but I have no, like, there is nothing in this movie that helps me to know how he can Did have he been get- sure of that. Did he get, like, a newspaper that said it somewhere? Like, yeah, how would know. he know that? That's crazy. I don't know. But anyway, needless to say, uh, this also creates a bit of a problem because then people in his group are like, well, let's join up and let's go with these people to yeah. the bow. And he's like, no, that's, we, like, we, what we need to do is convince them to come with us. Um, which they do not do. And this is, again, where we see Rogo and the Reverend go at it. Um, particularly, the Reverend kind of blames Rogo for Acres dying um, because this is the other thing. Like, the Reverend is like, we needed Acres to survive because he was the one who knew about the layout of the ship. Mm-hmm. And now he's gone, and now we're kind of fucked because... We don't. Well, but really he's know a boat genius. He should be. <laughs> I know. He says that in the same breath as like I'm sure that it, it's the stir and the right thing. That- <laughs> and so God knows what's happening in this man's mind. <laughs> but he does take their point. He's like, okay, um, I'm gonna go ahead a little bit and figure out if I can access this place that I'm saying is the better place to go before we commit to it. Mm-hmm. Um, while I do that, you guys look around for some supplies. So that happens. Yeah. Um, again, the point of this moment in the movie seems to be to give us, a, us the audience, a little break from the stress yeah. of watching all of these it various is horrifying things happen. Yeah. Um, and then we have also various like heart to heart moments with different characters, um, including one that I really didn't like between Reverend Scott and the teen girl Sue. Yeah. Um, like I was. I was grateful that that didn't turn even remotely sexual, um, and it didn't even hint at it, but um, it was a concern to me. Um, yeah, that's fair. So this is, again, we see the Rosens having their kind of sweet little uh, reminiscences and discussions amongst themselves. Um 
And Mrs. Rosen talks a lot about how now she'll never meet their grandson. Mm-hmm. Um, so finally, we have Reverend Scott come back from his little scouting adventure. He says he did find the engine room, that they're on the right track. They just need to keep at it. And then more explosions. <laughs> um, yeah, th- that's that's really what drives the narrative here. Yeah. Um, because that happens and then I water. Wonder, I have a question. Sorry. Yeah. No, what go ahead. You, I just I was thinking this with like all the explosions and like whatnot. What type of time passage do you think happens in this movie? Oh, that's a good question. I think it has to be like hours, hours. days. Yeah, not, not days. days. Certainly hours, though. Hours. Yeah. I feel like this story. I mean, it's not been sold. As you know, sometimes there are those movies where they're like, "We're actually doing this in real time." Like the amount sure. of movie is the amount of time the thing is takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I don't, don't think, think it's that. I don't think it's that, but I do think that probably because like. Let's see. It's New Year's Eve and everything kicks off. By yeah. the time they're uh, rescued at the end, spoiler it's alert, Uh-oh. it's daytime. Yeah. So let's say... Seven, like, eight hours? Yeah. Max. It ha- yeah. You know, like... Um, so That's a sucky-ass seven or eight hours. Though. It sure... Do- and then your life is ruined forever. Yeah. <laughs> you will great. never recover from this. Not um great. So these next set of explosions come. Um, water again sweeps through where they are. So they have to go into the next room. When they go into the next room, um, which I just referred to as the ship's guts at this point, because <laughs> I just, I was like, I, I don't know where this is. And they yeah. don't even say it doesn't really matter. Um, but now they've hit an obstruction of a particular nature. Yeah. I didn't what get What do they this have part. to do? I, well, I didn't quite get what it was that they, what they ran into there, but here they, this is where they had to swim. Yes. So basically what happened is when the Reverend went ahead to find the engine room, um, he found it and he was like, okay, great. Found it. Came back. In the time that it took to come back and to get everyone else to this place, Water has filled, yeah, Yeah. the hallway that was supposed to be there. Yeah. But luckily, one of the things that somebody found when they were looking for supplies was a rope. Mm -hmm. So he was like, okay, I'm going to, I know the pathway in this hallway because I just walked it. So I'm going to take this one end of the rope and I'm going to bring it to the place where you need to get out. And then everybody else can follow the rope to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of debating about this, um, about whether or not this is a good idea. And in particular, all of a sudden, Mrs. Rosen is piping up and she's saying, I should be the one to bring the rope to the other side, um, because she used to be a champion swimmer. Yeah. And then they're all like, I don't believe it, badass. Well, not exactly. Like, even <laughs> she says about herself, she's like, I may not look it anymore, but I was like this great thing and blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Um, but, uh, yeah, everyone kind of shouts her down. 
Um, so Reverend Scott goes off to do this thing. Um, and then we have a scene where we're watching him, we're watching Gene Hackman, like, s- swim through various, like, impedimenta underwater. And this mm-hmm. is when I wrote in my handwritten notes in all capital letters with an exclamation point afterwards, terrifying. Oh, I would never. Like, this is where I thought the <laughs> sea mon- Like, this is where I thought we were going to get sea monsters. Um, yeah. Was right uh, yeah. here. Yeah, 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 for sure. That would be a good place for one. Yeah. I would 0% do this. <laughs> no, I, you wouldn't get me to do and it. And also, let me tell you another story. The water, it's a movie, I get it. The water that they were swimming in was clear as day. Yes. And, no, I mean, this would be dirty black water <laughs> full of, like, oil and Oh, it would be, like, toxic everything. to swim in, I feel like. Yeah. And as, like, you certainly wouldn't be able to see. And then... Oh, my God, it would be horrible. Also, it's unclear here, but I think the water would be very cold. Oh, it's 100%. January. Oh, my God. 100%. I mean, technically, they're in... There are they... Mm. Do we know they're in the Mediterranean? So the Mediterranean Ocean is warmer. Warmer. But, but it's still, still an it's ocean. January. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, no, it's in the cold. middle of the ocean in January. And then cold. unless you want to think that the flames that are also going through the water warm up the yeah, water. Yeah, it's a little somehow. heating surface. <laughs> <laughs> it's like going into a hot tub or something. Yeah. Um, so anyway at least somewhat based in reality, Reverend Scott runs into some problems when he does this swim and he ends up being pinned under something. And so then the people on the other side notice that he's that the rope is not going out anymore at the same speed that it was. And Mrs. Rosen is like, I have to go. I have to do it. I'm the only one who has a training. And this is really when people do like say like, come on, that's stupid. And she's like, I'm doing it. No more debate about it. And I did also write in my notes at this point, though I didn't say specifically what. I just wrote too many fat jokes. Way too um, many. It was just like, just okay, awful. we get it. Um, but she does indeed go down and follows him mm-hmm. um, and pulls him out from under this thing. I don't know what it was, but like whatever he was stuck under, she pulls him out and they both end up on the other side and it seems like everything's okay for a second, but then what happens? Then she, like, has a heart attack or something. I'm not even 100% sure, but she starts yeah. getting, <gasps> uh, and she dies. Yes, but before Which, she dies. Oh. Well, go ahead, say what you were going to say. Oh, I just, it was sad. <laughs> yeah, it was sad. Um, and it was especially sad because as she's dying, um, we get the usual thing where she's being held by Reverend Scott and she pulls out this necklace and she says, give this to Mr. Rosen. It's for our grandson. Um, and she says it's, um, the Hebrew sign for life and Mm -hmm. that life is so important. And then she dies. Um, geez, come on people. (laughs) Very rough. Um, then on the other side of the water, back at the beginning, Rogo is like, we haven't heard from either one of them. This is taking too long. I better go and see what's happening. And so he goes, and when he gets to the other side, he finds Reverend Scott and discovers that Mrs. Rosen is dead. Mm-hmm. So um, 
Reverend Scott is like, well, you have to go back now and get the rest and tell them it's okay to come over. Um, but don't tell them about Mrs. Rosen. Um, and Rogo's like, why? We have to tell them. And he's like, if you tell them, then they won't come. And especially Mr. Rosen, like, won't come. And you have to make them go. Um, so that's what he does. He goes back to the other side and they ask about both of them. And he's like, um, what, what does he say about Mrs. Rosen? He says something like, she made it. Mm-hmm. Um, but doesn't elaborate beyond that. Um, and Mr. Rosen even says, something went wrong, didn't it? And he's like, no, no, she made it. Um, so then he gets everyone to jump in the water. And this is when we see um, Mrs. Rogo is swimming in her silver <laughs> platform sandals. Um, and this is also when Nani reveals that she can't swim. Um, yeah, she was really just such a wet blanket. She just I was like literally, me. literally wet blanket. Um, <laughs> she was killing me, <laughs> killing me. Um, and but he, but James, her like pair in this group says that you don't even need to swim. Like just hold on to me, and I'll do it for us. Which I guess works. Um, it works, and they also have a rope, so technically she could just could float just pull on that. herself along. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then the group gets to the other side and they discover that Mrs. Rosen is dead. Um, Mr. Rosen, of course, then is like, I will just stay here. I don't want to leave her like this. Kind of like similar to, remember in Titanic when there's that shot of like the old couple on of the course. bed together? Yeah. Oh my God. It's like heartbreaking. I think it's a real one. thing. I'm pretty sure that's like Probably. from real stories. Probably. But so I was getting kind of vibes of that at this moment. Yeah. Um, But Reverend Scott is like, no, you can't stay here. She wanted you to go on. Here's this necklace she gave me. It's your, you need to give it to your grandson. Um, And so Mr. Rosen eventually decides that he will in fact keep going. And so now they've gotten to kind of the final obstacle between them and this part of the hall that they want, which is walking along this catwalk over flaming water is all I can Again, describe Again, I as. would be O-U-T <laughs> in this particular scenario. Like, I just bitched about that girl killing me. Like, I would absolutely be her. Like, and I this, would be like, at every single obstacle, I'd be like, this is where I'm out. Yes, like, and this catwalk is looking like, you know when you're on a playground and there's like those, like, hangy bridge where you have to, like, wait for the parts to kind of like come near each other to cross to the second to the next one yeah right? yeah, yeah. Like, uh-huh. it it's that kind of situation of a catwalk where like it is not stable it is not sturdy um you have to walk across this thing like I said over flaming water now how does water even become flaming you ask I don't know but that's I literally don't know here. I have questions I but this is what I mean and this is why that previous scene is so confounding is because the reason why that water is on fire is because it's full of fuel, like the fuel from the ship. That's what keeps exploding. So it's like covered yeah. in oil. It's bad. Then, it's just. Yeah. But so they slowly start making their way across the catwalk when yet again, more explosions. And this time, as a result of the explosions, the catwalk kind of like jiggles in a bad way and mrs rogo falls to her death 
into the flaming water. And there she goes. It's like another one just keeps biting the dust. Yeah. Well, and this one, I like almost missed it. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. She, they were like, a bye bye, bitch. She was. It was, was so gone. anticlimactic. Yeah. Like, um, and I mean, it does give Ernest Borgnine his opportunity to really act the shit out of being upset. But yeah. Um, I was like, whoa, that just was like, like, because pretty much. Well, no, I guess this is a death much like Akers' death, where it's like, it happened, we're moving on, don't even think about it anymore. Like, and I was just like, whoa, what the fuck? And then there are more explosions, and what has happened now is that something has kind of been, like, jogged loose, and this big pipe opens up, and, like, all this steam is coming out. Um, It just goes from bad to worse. Yeah, and the thing is, and so the steam is, like, stopping them from continuing on this catwalk. And that maybe sounds strange, perhaps, because <laughs> people maybe don't realize how hot steam can be. Yeah. Um, and that this steam in particular is probably, like, if you try to simply walk through it, like, your skin You'd would burn. be burnt off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, at best, your skin would just be burnt off. At worst, you might actually die from the injuries, right? Um, so they they cannot continue in this situation. So this is when... So everybody kind of looks at each other, basically, like, now what the fuck <laughs> are we like, supposed to do? They're like, what in the literal... And here's the thing. This is... I will say the conundrum of, like, this point in a disaster movie or even this point in a survival situation, if you ever find yourself in a place... And if you do, we're sorry. We so, are so unending sympathies to you. Because this is what this is like a weird place. And I just, you know, I mentioned how I would have given up like every single time. But like Just this, give up, everyone. That's the lesson. <laughs> but it's of sort today. of like Yeah, but also like when you've reached this point, like you almost You're, are yeah. like, if I fucking give up now. Like, right. what the hell was all the rest right. of it for? It's like when you've, like, done a project for four hours and then you're like, I so want to quit this, but if I do, I will die. <laughs> right. You know, like, right. you're like, I have to finish this now. Or, like, I, and you real like, you've done the project and then you realize, oh, there's, like, this additional thing that I didn't anticipate being a part of this. Yeah. And I need to do it. And truthfully, this next part isn't that much more work but I didn't think it was going to be like this at all. Yeah. And now... But you, like, have to see it through because you've come yeah. this far. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the situation. Yeah. And basically, I'm not even sure if the Reverend even says anything, but he's kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe he tells Rogo, he's like, I'll take care of this steam thing, but you have to, like, kind of promise me that you'll take them the rest of the way. And everyone's yeah. a bit puzzled by what that means. Yeah. Because what it means is fucking horrifying because he so the steam can be turned off by this valve that needs to be turned. Mm-hmm. And so Gene Hackman jumps from the catwalk and happily catches on to the valve that he needs to use. And so he's using his body weight to like sw- to swing around to to sh- to close the valve. And yeah. um, again, when I was watching this, I was like, his hands would be burning off. Like Holy shit, right? yeah. I thought they were going to even show that, to be honest. Yeah. But what they do show instead 
is so he turns off the steam and he's like looking back at them and I guess he realizes that he can't swing himself back onto that catwalk. Yeah. And so what does he do instead? I actually forget, but doesn't he just drop down? Yes, he lets go and drops into the burning water. Yeah, I mean, that's what he had, like, there's no other choice at that point. Like, that fucking sucks, but. Yeah, and I was just like, woof, oh my god. I mean, they were killing lead characters in this, which I do appreciate, because it's more real. Killing them with abandon and doing (laughs) it, doing it in the final, like, 15 minutes of the movie. You know, like, when you think, like, they've made it this far, they're going to, these guys are going to survive. It's like, no, no, we're donezo with this. Um, (laughs) I was, yeah, I was just like, I think when he dropped into the water, my mouth literally dropped open. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) And then um, there were however many were left, but. Yeah, and then, of course, um, Sue, who has been, very like in love with this guy or like somehow imprinted on him um loses her shit she starts screaming um and then good old red buttons has to slap her to get her back to some (laughs) level of sensible because that's just how you get people back to normal yeah in these movies um and he's like he the reverend you know sacrificed himself so he survives we have to keep going um, and again, this goes back to what he, what the Reverend himself was saying at the beginning of the movie, which is, it is not about individuals, it's about the group. Yeah. And so he sacrifices himself I mean, he felt, he followed that. through on that, and I, I appreciate him for that. He, it, it was his belief, and I don't necessarily ascribe to it myself, but he, you know, he didn't He just did not believe in quitting. Talk. Yeah, he, he didn't believe in quitting. And he did believe that individuals need to sacrifice for the group. So he saw that through yeah. to its bitter conclusion in his yeah. case. So this is what you get, guys, if that's what you ascribe to, <laughs> death. <laughs> so never do this. Um, so always quit and never think of the team. <laughs> never think of others. Always quit. Yeah. Put yep. that on a T-shirt. <laughs> get out there. Live your life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's your mantra going yep. forward. For 2022, your new yep. mantra is everyone else can get fucked and quit whenever you like. Yeah. There I mean, I go. feel like that's sort of been the world's mantra the last two years anyways. Everyone can I mean, get I fucked, feel like but... that mantra is exactly the right amount of let's not get ahead of ourselves with this <laughs> pandemic thing. Yeah. <laughs> Holy we hell. we thought 2021 was going to like change everything and it didn't really nope. so um, it's just it's just like some here's the real truth of life too and pardon oh boy, all, I can't yeah. wait to hear this this is yeah oh, the meaning of life you want to hear it here it is sure um sure shit shit gets bad mm-hmm. and then it gets a little bit worse and then sometimes it gets like a little bit better and then it gets really worse and then it gets a little bit more worse than that. That's Great. the meaning of life. <laughs> Perfect. I, I thank you so much for that, Amy. I really want uh, that. But it, it like, or if you want to, same idea, but maybe a touch more optimistic is it could always be worse. So whatever yes. you're going through, 
right now maybe isn't so bad because it could be worse. Here's a different way of saying that. When you think you're having your worst day, month, week, year ever, Mm -hmm. just think to yourself, just wait. So far. (laughs) So far. Uh, so optimism <laughs> yeah um but now we are finally to the final bit of this movie they have effectively finally gotten into this place that they've been aiming for the whole time which is the very bottom of the ship which is of course now the top of the ship and one of the only yeah. parts of the ship above water anymore and this is when the little kid says because he's been doing all this uh, studying about the ship, he's like, this is Shaft Alley, and this is a part of the hull where it's the thinnest. It's only one inch thick. So this is why this was always where they wanted to be, because it it will be easy for rescuers to get to them. And it does seem to be really easy, because then they, they hear something on the outside of the hull. Yeah. So they start banging on the hull to let the rescuers know where they are, and then they get a response quite quickly, and someone starts cutting through. Um, and again, because it's only an inch thick, they can cut through this thing pretty quickly and uh-huh. open the open it up. And then it's like, we see the sunlight, and it's like, yay. And then we get a shot of who is left. Um, there are only six out of the ten left. Mm-hmm. Um, and they climb onto a helicopter, and that is the end and I think we're meant to assume that these six people are, are the, the only, only people who survive. Yeah, because I think they asked the the rescuers, did you re- rescue anyone from the bow? Or oh, right. Was. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they were like, no. No. Okay, I have questions about this rescue because okay. it was so fast. Like, I just, I struggled with this rescue being believable. Like, it's fine. I don't care. That's the end of the movie. We got to get it over with. But, uh, uh, like, if I was a rescuer <laughs> uh-huh. and I saw a giant ship fully overturned in the water, I don't think I would assume there were survivors at all. And I don't think I would go, like, listening for someone banging on the bottom of the ship. Do you know what I mean? Right, like, I right, don't, right, right, right. And they were right the fuck there, right as they were doing it. Like, I know. I was just a little bit, like, not convenient, guys. I, <laughs> I mean, yes, I get it, sure. but. Yeah, yeah. I was no, just absolutely. curious about. And how, like, I know the ship people, the ship people, the crew did radio, like, May Day. So maybe that's how these rescuers are here. But I also was like, in the middle of the ocean, like, who is coming? Well, this is where the fact that it's the Mediterranean probably helps because, Mm. you know, like, this isn't like being in the middle of the Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic Ocean where it could take hours just to, like, get a helicopter out to the place where you are. Yeah. Um, Like, here, probably, they're not that far away from land at any moment in time. I guess. And would they have had to get, like, latitude and longitude from the mayday call or like i'm i don't i don't know it seemed i don't know about that again again like probably how how do i want to say this like i think especially because of these whole supply line problems that we're having now um i don't think you or i really understand the extent to which ships like people know where ships are all the time 
Yeah, I guess I, I truly don't them. understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And they know vaguely where they are. That's part of the procedure. They have to let, you know, all that. Okay. So I think that was probably also true basically okay. 50 years ago. Yeah. Um, and so I mean, it makes sense because they would have does- had a general idea of where to okay. look. They okay. also would have known about the tsunami and that would have helped them identify kind okay. of a search radius, I presume. Um, and then as well, as, and this I think is especially probably true of the Mediterranean, it's because it's small, like another ship might have even been able to see something. See it know, or like, right? Yeah. So like that okay. is also a part of it. So there's that. All right, that all makes sense, but I do still call bullshit on the fact that they like found them so fast. Like, right? They, I don't know. Once I like, I don't think literally it been the hard. rescuers were there the minute they right. got up to that Correct. spot. Correct. That's the thing is like I I don't think it's unrealistic that they would have figured out where the ship was relatively quickly and been yeah. able to get there. What I don't know about is what the procedures are for rescues at sea. In those kinds of circumstances. Like, yeah, what are, I like, feel what are, like I don't either, but I don't feel like it's like, oh, let's just cut a hole in the bottom of this ship and see if there's somebody not. in there. Probably not. No. Um, but this is how that movie. I mean, fair that enough. Stuff. That's, I get it. <laughs> um, okay, so yawns and eye rolls. One yawn is cinematic masterpiece. I wasn't bored at all. Uh, Tan Yans is like, oh my God, I really, really did not care what was happening at any moment of this film. What would you give it? Oh, um, I would say on that particular scale, um. It is kind of an intense scale. I appreciate that. Because definitely not cinematic masterpiece for me. It like, no. Sure. Um, I would say like three. It wasn't boring. I wasn't bored. But, you know, cinematic masterpiece is like a little dramatic for me. I get it. <laughs> I know. I chose quite an intense scale this time. Um, yeah, I would say that I give this like a solid maybe two, two to three maybe. Okay. Um, because I was really on to the, like I wasn't bored um yeah and I did like considering that the disaster movie now I think has gotten quite sort of played out in various ways mm-hmm. um I thought this was a good and it, it made me think like this probably is a good example of one because they're never in one spot too long um so it keeps everything moving at a nice clip mm-hmm. uh and even though it is it is like what like just under two hours, right? Like, yeah, it's pretty it's just long. right about, yeah. Um, and I didn't feel that the way I sometimes feel some of our other stuff as yeah. much. Um, and then eye rolls. I'm not sure that really, well, no, I guess it counts because there's been some <laughs> kind of unbelievable stuff in this too. Um, so one eye roll is like, I bought into all of this, no follow-up questions. And then 10 is like, a big capital letters, please. Um, <laughs> what would you give it? Um, I might go like four or five on this one. I had some, I had some questions, um, and I had some, you know, the rescue definitely got yes. me at the end. I was like, mm-hmm, convenient, um, but you know, it. I get what it was, so I'm not gonna, you know, harp on it. So yeah, like yeah. five, right down the middle. I think I'm going to go a bit more like three, probably. 
Um, mainly because, I don't know, it did have a realism to it that I bought into. Mm -hmm. Um, even though women are gallivanting in shorts most of the movie, (laughs) uh, and other stuff like that. Or I guess more to the point, I should say I'm giving it a three based on what action and disaster movies have become after this. Like, like I said, the comfort level that they had killing people off. Um, yeah. And, and I do appreciate that unceremoniously, like Mm -hmm. just like you're gone and it doesn't matter that you're one of the top build character, like people in this movie dead. Um, that to me felt really different from what a lot of these movies have become now where it is these like amazing, like completely like, that person did not survive that. There is no way right. they could have. Right, right, right. Um, this one rang a bit more true, I guess, um, mm-hmm. in that way. And ironically, then made it feel very fresh and different from a lot of stuff yeah, I've that's seen true. lately. Yeah, that's um, a good point. So then, final question. Is, uh, did you like this and would you recommend it? Yeah, I did. I liked it. It's not sci-fi, so I have no problem with it. Um <laughs> I would say another genre that's not usually my favorite is like an action adventure thing. Yeah. But um but no, this was this was good. Um I would yeah, I would I would recommend it to someone you know, I'd be like it's from the 70s if like that's not your jam, like maybe not, but if someone who especially was into disaster type movies and like into the whole dirt a look <laughs> um yeah, I would say yes. And here's the other thing. This is what I was going to say about, like, the dirt look. Now, even though they were dirty throughout and they had the whole, like, disheveled yeah, people's, look. like, shirts get increasingly more ripped and, like, yeah. covered with weird brown streaks they, and stuff. Yeah. They still all looked real good. That's what they I'll did. say. Like, but if then I, again, if, Amy, as we worked out, they only were in trouble for, like, seven or eight hours. So Only? That's still a long, <laughs> that's a long time to be in trouble. Like, I would be full Based- on... Drowned rat looking a True. mess. And based just on the depreciation of my looks from the beginning of the day when I put something Holy on to shit. the end. <laughs> Holy shit. I would look crazy. Like, I would look like an actual person that needed to be committed. Like, yes. I, my hair would be indescribable. My, yes. if I had makeup on, would be unrecognizable like it would I, I would almost wonder like, death. like especially in this scenario I almost wonder like no matter what let's say somehow by chance I was wearing like really sturdy jeans and like <clears throat> flannel shirt at the beginning of this mm. I feel like by the end I would literally it would be like shreds of material it would be bad like None of my clothes could withstand any of this stuff that happened here. (laughs) Like, it would be, and that's, like, that's really dark to think of being, like, in shreds. But, like, uh, no, my pants would rip immediately. Like, my, it would be, I would, I was thinking at one point, I was like, you know, yeah, they all look a mess, but, like, still kind of good. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same as like when someone has to look like quote unquote sweaty in a movie. Right. And you're like, yeah. uh, I mean, I guess you're like, that's sometimes like, looks like that. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, it looks real. It's like just like little beads and cute on your face. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, uh, I certainly liked this movie and would recommend it, particularly as 
the kind of representative classic that it is of mm-hmm. this is like where disaster movies began. This is what they were about. Um, definitely, as you said, the cast is really good and these are people you would, many of whom you would recognize if you didn't yeah. recognize their name, you would recognize their face. Um, yeah. And so it holds up for sure. Um, I think so. And I do think this is a weirdly apropos New Year's Eve movie for us moving in to 2022. Um, <laughs> because the that, ship is sinking literally. <laughs> uh, because you're lucky if you get fucking out, I guess. Um, but Oh, Lord. More to the point, um, I will say I wish all of you as good a 2022 as is possible. Uh, and maybe that's going to turn out to be quite good. Maybe we don't know. Um, I don't want to commit to anything. That's my new, that's also my mantra for 2022 is I shall not commit to anything. I love (laughs) Um, that. Uh, because I'm too afraid to commit to anything because making plans has turned into a thing you shouldn't do anymore. Yeah, Um, I love that. So... But with all of that, thank you everyone for listening to us this year and thank, and we wish you the best in the upcoming year and we will be taking a brief uh, hiatus at, but we will be back to you soon um, in January with more content. Amy, do you have any final thoughts on 2021 or the start of 2022? Uh, it's something that's just, uh, I had, the only thing I could say is like, just off the top of my head right now, uh, should old acquaintance be forgot <laughs> and never brought to mind? Uh huh. I forget the rest. <laughs> great. Perfect. Great. Great. That's great. It. Great. That's all great I got. way to sail <laughs> into the new year. That was an intentional pun <laughs> that I specifically did. Um, well, this has been a real pleasure. Uh, I am Sarah. I'm here with Amy, and we will truly see you in the near future in space. Ooh. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.